Shalom, shalom, shalom. Hey, what's going on? This is Michael Sano. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12 Cities in Israel podcast. And I have with me a very, very dear friend, Neely Kane, a high school teacher in Jerusalem, the former OSP student counselor, and did I mention an excellent friend of mine? What's up, Neely? How are you? Hi, I'm fine. Come a little closer, please. Um, what's going on? Fine. Everything's fine. Nice to see you. Welcome no. to Israel. Thank you so <laughs> much. Um, thank you. Thank you. You came all the way from Jerusalem to all Tel Aviv. Um, that's a lot of traffic, you said. Yeah, as oh. usual. Oh, as usual. So that's normal. Yeah. Like a ton of traffic down that corridor. Okay. So let's get to know you. Um, where you're from Jerusalem. I'm originally from Jerusalem. Now your family's from Jerusalem as my, well? My family is from Jerusalem. I mean, originally my family is from England, uh, but they both my parents made Aliyahs like when they were younger. Oh, wow. Uh, like what? My father made Aliyah with his family actually already in the 50s. Um, and he came here as a kid and he studied here and everything. Oh, wow. And my mother came here uh, once she finished <coughs> high school. Um, and they met here. And um, so I'm. Born and then born you and showed up. Jerusalem. <laughs> That's <laughs> after, awesome. After a few years, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, what did uh, what do your folks do? My father's a doctor, and my mother is um, works. She's an historian. She's uh, in Yad Vashem, and she helps uh, immigrants, and she does many things. Holy cow! That's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Um, now. Have they always lived, since they made Aliyah, did they always live in Jerusalem? Or were they, how, what was their their path? Did they come in through Haifa? Did they come in through Yafo? When they were they different. Made no, yeah. they made Aliyah. I mean, well, my father, they came straight to Jerusalem. Uh, they lived here. My mother, when she made Aliyah, she did a Akshara uh, in a kibbutz, and then she came to live in Jerusalem. Uh, and basically, they stayed in Jerusalem uh, except for a few years that my father studied in Boston. Uh, oh. He did his uh, postdoc, I think. Thingy. <laughs> his <laughs> yeah. doctor thingy. So they lived there for two years. Um, that's awesome. Now, here's something that I noticed, um, and it, it's, it's, it's actually a profound thought. So you <coughs> grew up, and I told you, you can cough on the podcast. Thank it's you. totally fine. It's Very not nice rude. It's winter, so yeah. Um, so one of the things that I noticed the first time that I was in the old city was that there are children playing everywhere, everywhere. Mm-hmm. Bikes, bikes outside the Kotel um, with streamers and all that. Uh, so it's it's kind of hilarious. And it brings to mind, um, wow, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000 years ago, there were kids playing on the stone streets of Jerusalem just like they are now. So... Can you give a little bit of insight into what it's like being a child and growing up in Jerusalem? Um, well, it is, I mean, it's a mix of things. First of all, Jerusalem is a beautiful city. I love Jerusalem, and I think it's, you have everything there. I mean, except for the beach, but you have everything there. <laughs> um, different people, different sites, and you have the fact that I can walk just, 20 minutes from where I live and get to the old city and see where people lived thousands of years ago. It was, it was an amazing sense of history and connection to, to us and like the Jewish people and everything. But it's also very nice that you can walk around and you can see, you can go to the Muslim quarter, you can go to the Christian quarter and you can select. 
different ty- types of people and they all live, I mean, I won't say happily, but we all coexist in Jerusalem. Um, although, I mean, I did grow up during the second intifada, first and second intifadas mm-hmm. in Jerusalem. So it was also growing up um, with terror attacks all the time in Jerusalem. Um, Violence is a daily part of your life almost. No, not today. Oh, not right. today. But no, I mean, back then I'm talking. Growing up, yeah, growing up, um, it it was just something that we had to live with. Okay. Um, but there's always a joke that I mean, people outside of Israel are afraid to come to Israel. People outside of Jerusalem are afraid to come to Jerusalem. People <laughs> who live in Jerusalem, they say, "Oh, Jerusalem is fine. It's just that specific neighborhood." And then people say, "It's not that. Sp- it's not all the neighborhood. It's that specific road." And in that road, they say, it's not that road, it's just this uh, this building, if you go in from that. And so, um, I mean, it, didn't f- it wasn't scary. It was just part of life. It was home. It was home. Oh. It's still home. And uh, it was, I mean, we have, well, we had, they had the terror attacks, but we also had like many beautiful things in Jerusalem. We have the old and the new and the the young and the like different seasons and different people and different neighborhoods and Jerusalem is great. That's awesome. Now, we have something in New York. So we have the UN in New York. So whenever there's a UN delegation, oh my gosh, it's everyone in New York is is just bottled, all that bottled up like angst comes out because they're like, why are they closing off the road? I can't stand this. Oh, can't they do this somewhere else? Um, That's what I was going to ask. What, what types of things, I mean, with the Knesset, with the Supreme court, with all that stuff there, um, what else is there? Um, As far as the government. Well, most of the government facilities um, in Jerusalem, which is also a very nice because you can just walk around. I remember days that I could walk around and I was walking past the president's house. Wow. Uh, it wasn't closed off then. And it was just, every, every time people from abroad came and they said, so you can just walk next to your president's house and it's <laughs> fine? I'm like, yeah, sure, it's not a problem. Nowadays, it's like the area's a bit... I mean, Borrow toilet sec- paper if you there's need mo- to. <laughs> this is, there's more security there. But it's still, it's like smack in the middle of town and it's like, it's very interesting and it's very special to be able to walk around Jerusalem and see, okay, this is a Knesset, this is the Supreme Court, these are all the like different office, um, the museums, like we have the Israel Museum here, we have a science museum here, we have um, like we have a lot of uh, different cultural things in Jerusalem, I mean, all in walking distance. And um, Now you also have um, Hebrew University, which is up on Mount Scopus. Right, we have the two campuses of uh, the Hebrew Oh, can Europe. you describe that? Well, we have the, the the two campuses. One in Oman Scopus, right? That's m- like more the humane and um, subjects, uh, and the and the the law school and uh, like economics. And then we have one which is actually near the Knesset, uh, Givatram, which is the science one. And that's also the one where they have. Is it the library? Yeah, the national library. That's there. That's amazing. Right, Givadram, where the Knesset is and the Supreme Court, it's like a huge neighborhood. All the museums, the Knesset, the Supreme Court, different government offices, and uh, the Hebrew U. Now, since having been to Jerusalem and seeing how compact it is, what what's space like in 
living in Jerusalem. I mean, is it, it, it's probably comes at, at kind of a heavy price. And I mean, space where you can spread your arms, you know, is, but what I find surprising is you have to, like, let's say you need to get an apartment. You're going to need a couple of bedrooms because a lot of people who move to Jerusalem tend to have large families or larger on the whole. Um, what's, how expensive is it in Jerusalem? Well, Jerusalem is actually considered one of the most expensive cities to live in. Um, it depends which neighborhood. I mean, you have the center of town and then you have like the different suburbs mm-hmm. of Jerusalem. Uh, not suburbs like in America. Yeah. Different. Uh, um, but Jerusalem is expensive. I mean, Jerusalem and Tel Aviv are the most expensive, uh, cities and people want to live that, um, live in those cities. Um, so Jerusalem has like the, the center um, and then the, the further out you go, you can get larger apartments or, or uh, larger homes. Um, and Jerusalem has grown over the decades from what I understand outwards. Right. Correct? Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, Jerusalem has been growing and growing and different. Uh, we also have a very large neighborhoods like Piscat and Ramot and Gilo, which are considered part of Jerusalem, but are like uh, teeny tiny cities by, their own, by themselves. Um, but um, most people who want to live in Jerusalem, they do want to live closer to the center, and then it is a problem because of price range, and young couples and young families can't afford them, especially when we have a lot of people from different countries around the world buying homes to live in during the during the holidays and it takes up it takes up room well is is airbnb a problem like it is in tel aviv i actually don't know because there that was how airbnb works in jerusalem that was one of the big things uh, that i had read about in in tel aviv that they're actually looking at um legislation making laws kind of limiting it because a lot of the property prices in Tel Aviv are being, rental prices are being vastly increased because people are just buying the place to rent it out as an Airbnb. Right. Maybe the same in Jerusalem. We do have problems with what we call ghost apartments. That's, yeah, that's it. (laughs) We have a big problem in that in Jerusalem. Now, could you describe what ghost apartments are just real quickly? Um, just apartments that um, the owners of the apartment, they don't live here. Mm-hmm. Um, either they live in a different city or they just buy the apartment. Mainly they come for the Jewish holidays and the house, the, the apartment is empty most of the year. So sometimes they rent out their apartments to students or to, to students or family members It'll who move come. It'll too, so okay. if you want to <laughs> sit back. that's a No, that's fine. Um, so sometimes they rent it out and sometimes it just, it stays empty. Um, okay. And that's a pity when we have a lot of youngsters and young families looking for apartments in those areas uh, and can't afford because of the price range. That stinks, but it's probably a fact of life and nothing that will go away soon. Yeah, but I mean, it's nice that people want to come here and live in Jerusalem and they want to come and visit. No, but absolutely. But there is a, the two sides for this. Okay. Um, lastly, uh, before we move on to the next subject, I want to talk about a lot has been going on in Jerusalem in terms of um, 
urbanization little projects going on like the Jerusalem high-speed rail um, the tram that goes uh, up and down the main and what what street does that go up well <clears throat> the, they're working on the light uh, train w- like from the center from the entrance to town uh, to different points on the outskirts of Jerusalem so they're working on um, from between the two main hospitals, which mm-hmm. is Enkarim and uh, Haratzofim, there also two campuses of uh, the the university, and they're oh, working also. They're working on one to connect them. Right, and they're working on connecting the further, like the neighborhoods, um, which are more towards the south Jerusalem, like Gilo, to the center of town, and Pisgat Ze'ev to the center of town, which is that's in the north north Jerusalem. Um, and uh, they're working on another one, um, again to the southwest of Jerusalem. So they're like so trying to connect f- everything. And I get the need to modernize Jerusalem, absolutely. But how do they do it? They, where do Very they get slowly. the room? Oh, all right, yeah, because <laughs> there's no room really to. Also, there's no room, but also there's uh, there's a problem, which is I mean, it's not a problem, but Every time that they dig up something in Jerusalem, they have to have <laughs> no. Th- they need they need also uh, people from um, like archaeologists and uh, and things to come and monitor everything just in case they find things. Well, uh, the, most of the time, it's when they find it's something. Y- you sh- I think most of the times you have someone there all the time mm-hmm. because you will end up finding something. And we had plenty of times that people were just renovating their house and found like an old like an ancient. Tomb or something or, like yeah, yeah coins Mikvah or, or like something yeah exactly wow. so that always takes more time wow all right cool so we're gonna step away from Jerusalem we're gonna step away from you growing up because in the trajectory of your life story as an Israeli you have government service right you have either the IDF or national service right can you tell us what you did so once I finished high school, I went into the I went into the army. I was there for three years, and I was there as um, a basic training commander. But I didn't train regular. Um, I mean, I had soldiers, but most of the soldiers that I had, the soldiers that come from more difficult backgrounds, and usually those are the soldiers that until up uh, up till the eighties actually um, were not accepted into the army. The army wanted to give them a chance to start a new life and to be able to be part of society. Because otherwise, they, I mean, if you're not, oh, I'll talk about that later. But so a lot of these uh, soldiers, they come. Most of them didn't finish high school. Some of them have criminal backgrounds, um, and they go into the army as part of being accepted into society um, and helping them finish something and helping them start something that they can actually work with um so they went uh, we they went into basic training and then they went into different jobs in the army um yeah so i was there for three years uh i started as a commander and i finished up as a company commander or platoon how did you wind up uh, getting into it mixed up which one is a platoon which one is a company i think it's a company commander. company is larger than a yeah so a deputy or like deputy company commander 
Um, Admiral General. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, How did you wind up? That, so that was a pilot program? Something no. brand new? No, 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 no. It's been going on for like since the 80s. Okay. Um, it's on a pilot now. Um, How did you wind up getting chosen to do something like that? I, it takes a well, most likely you, a specific when you, temperament. When you, you start the the whole process of going into the army. You start when you when you're 16 years old. Uh, you go to the first first um, I would say first checkup. Mm-hmm. Um, just a very basic thing, uh, an interview, medical checkup, and then they uh, like basic tests, and then they give you like specific marks on things, and on based on those specific. Um, Marks, I would say. Um, the army says, okay, so this is the variety of jobs that you can do in the army, and then mm-hmm. you can choose. Um, and then it's a combination of what the army wants you to do, what you want to do, and what's available. Uh, being what's available and what the army wants you to do <laughs> uh, a bit higher, but luckily I knew what I wanted to do. I've heard, like, I had friends, my sister's friends did it, and I've I've heard of that job. My sister did something similar, just with new immigrants. Um, So I knew that I wanted to do something. I wanted to work with people. I wanted Mm -hmm. to work in education. And the IDF, I think, is still the only army in the world that has, like, an educational squad. Wow. um, That deals with education in the army and education of soldiers. Because everybody has to do the army. Mm -hmm. Then the army wants people to be allowed and to give the chance of people who also didn't finish and didn't have the education that they needed to get that education um and like a variety variety of different educational things and one of the things was the thing i did i and uh, i was accepted and that's awesome good job (laughs) now can you quickly just um just go over what were some of the difficulties that you specifically now were you dealing were you training both men and women no, or just only women men. only men only men so you have individuals who have issues maybe with authority and they're now taking direction and orders not suggestions <laughs> from a woman. How did that go? What can you give me an example of one of the difficulties that you had um, with that? Well, sometimes, um, f- first of all, you don't allow it to be an issue. I mean, it's not. Wow. Also, you okay. tell no. Also, I mean, also to towards the soldiers. I mean, the soldiers. Okay, so I'm a woman, but but I'm not a woman or a male. I'm your commander. So it's like they, you have to do what I say. And I and understand it, that having been in the military, right. but people might not. That's right. why. So I'm saying a lot of, at least in the basic training, unless you go to very combat units, mm-hmm. a lot of actually the basic training commanders are women. Um, unless you're going to combat uh, um, units. So the basic, basic training is run by uh like women um so it wasn't an issue in that sense it was an issue in the sense of some of my soldiers were like who are you to give me orders sort of thing but once you get into the army and the army mm-hmm. like the way it works they just it's something and you know and it's something that you do um, definitely and it's not it's not, i didn't have you didn't have the friction that i imagine one might have 
Right. Okay. Because also sometimes they see you as either because they had a lot of difficult they had a lot of difficulties mm-hmm. in life most of my soldiers and as you put it very nicely they had authorial like they had problems with authority and most of my soldiers they never finished something like they didn't finish high school they didn't finish like they kept moving different jobs some of them are actually very very good business people um, oh, wow. yeah and they they worked and some of them didn't want to go into the army because they were doing so nicely outside but <laughs> never mind that's a different topic but um but some of them really did want to go into the army um mm-hmm. and they saw sometimes i think one of the reasons actually a lot of women did my job was because you have this like maternal like they see you sometimes as a big sister or as a mother uh or as a social worker sometimes as your father as well but you <laughs> see they see you as somebody that they can lean on and Someone who's supportive, to. someone who will right. be so compassionate when it needs to be. When it needs to be and um, hard, and when, hard it when it needs to be. be. Now, I had f- male friends who did the job and they did it brilliantly. Um, but sometimes it was actually easier as a woman because they wouldn't curse you as much. They wouldn't, <laughs> they wouldn't hit you as much as they would maybe mm-hmm. um, with a male. And um, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't see you as a threat. Okay. Um, you do realize... That every time you've referred to them, you've referred to them as my soldiers. And that's tremendous. That is so amazing. Um, That, yeah, that, like, wow. I'm beaming just thinking about that. All right, so you finish up your army service. How long did you do it for? Three years. Okay. That's more than required. Right, I was an officer, so I signed up for another year. Okay. Um, And then, did you go directly to Ben Gurion University? No, I didn't. Actually... As most Israelis, you took you take some time off. I mean, I didn't do the, like the big uh, Asia. Machu Picchu picture. No, I, no yeah. not at <laughs> not at that point. No, um, I worked for two years. Um, I did a lot of different things that I wanted to do before going into university. Mm-hmm. Um, and after two years, I went into Ben Gurion. Any you can go into, or would you rather just move into Ben Gurion University? Sorry. Any you would mind discussing? Ah. Um, no, we can talk about <laughs> Ben Gurion. No problem, no problem <laughs> at all. Um, all right, so then you go to Ben Gurion University. You have what it seems like is a direction already, because you've thought about education in terms of working in the army, and what you did as a job was education initially what you had planned on at Ben Gurion. Actually, no. Um, I went in to study history, another thing, I mean, it wasn't, uh, I wasn't thinking of being, uh, I, I did know that I wanted to work with people, mm-hmm. um, but I also took university as a place that I can study things that are just very, very interesting for me. I, t- I had like geology and, and history and different courses and it was just things that I really wanted to do and then, but I knew that I wanted to work with people <coughs> um, and that's how I ended up in the OSP. I was just looking for something to do. I was looking for a job and then I heard about this and I really wanted to also working, I wanted to work with people that came on exchange programs. Um, so it's funny you say what you said about the maternal aspect. So um, just a quick two second story from me. I had, um, I grew up in a, the, a female dominated household. Uh, strong mother, strong grandmother, um, sister, 
uh, sisters who were just all large personalities. And that meant that what they said went. That's what was going to happen. So because of that, a comfort level developed that when I wasn't comfortable being around women, what mate would calm me, make me feel better. Um, now I had some issues I had discussed with you after being in the military. So I would go up when I was having trouble at Ben Gurion University and sit in the OSP office because the office is filled with strong, professional women. And wow, it was, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. Um, why is that such a dynamic in Israel? What, having where, where, women? Where, where, with so many women in um, higher positions uh, in the workplace, in education, all of that. I, I, is that a too big a question to um, ask? I think in, I mean, I don't know in terms of statistics and things, but I think if Oof. you look, um, we d- there are a lot of women working in education and working with like interacting different mm-hmm. jobs that interact with people. Oh, um, microphone. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry. Um, so women, I, I think according to statistics in Israel, I didn't see the, the recent statistics. They're high, actually, because They're I did check them out, and it's 50-50. It is, it is straight up, which is, from what I understand, a little bit higher than the United States. Hmm. And cool. women have more degrees than men in Israel. Did you know that? I knew that uh, that Israel is high on the, like, the high... D- so we yeah, might have yeah, gone yeah, off maybe. on a tangent, and maybe no, no. I shouldn't have brought up that story. <laughs> no, 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 actually, because I did, I, I did need to look up uh, those things. Um, also, something I did for my students, and also I, I needed to look up a few th- things. So I do know that I think also um, the amount, like Israel is like the woman in Israel, they have the percentage of them that have that has uh, an MA or a doctorate or something is amongst the highest. Uh, Really? Wow. Well, not, uh, I don't think, internationally, five, but I th- yeah. like they're, they're in a good place. That's awesome. So, all right. So did you apply what you had done in the army towards what you did as a student counselor um, in the OSP? I or did, was even it? Even though I did have to remind myself that I'm not <laughs> dealing with soldiers. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I ended up in the OSP... I think it was like four years after I finished the army. Um, My whole reason for bringing up that story was tell, to tell you that I appreciate everything that you guys have done. So that's, that's keep going. Nice sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I agree. We had we had excellent people working in the in the office, and they were all really, really, really special uh, women. Um, so I did use. I mean, it did help me because I was in charge of a group of people, and I had to ske- make schedules, and I had to prepare everything for you, and I have to I had to make sure that you have everything that you need, and that you feel comfortable, and everything, and that's things that I also did in the army. Um, well, so the it first wasn't time you for me, the first time I met you, I was terrified. 
I was absolutely terrified. I'm really? so sorry. So we were went on a I trip. I think I'm a terrifying person. You're not at all, <laughs> which was surprising. But it was first impression. I apologize. So we're at the Maksania Shuk. We're at the supermarket. And we're going okay. to get stuff. And I guess we're running a little bit late. And you come through. And whatever was your former military self was in full force because it's, <laughs> we have to go you have to get your stuff you need to be in line you need to be in line and I was like oh my gosh I'm gonna stay away from <laughs> and then it could have been actually the very next day we're walking through the student center and you come through in blue converse holding a a uh what is it a little bushel of green grapes would you like a grape? Would you like a grape? And you're handing them out to everyone. And I'm like, who the hell is this person? This is not the same person. So it might have just been that it was our fault and we were running late. And that brought that out. But oh my gosh, night and day. Uh, but I feel cool that I got to see both sides. Well, when we needed to be on time, we needed to be on time. <laughs> and when you can fool around, you can fool around. Now, how was the adjustment with... Uh, with going from soldiers to students and what are some of the I guess it would be not social it might be social but the difficulties acclimating these students um, to the expectations of studying abroad in Israel well it's a different mindset Mm -hmm. and although I was talking about like the same approximately the same age um, and it is that's it, it for is us same. yeah yeah because i ha- we had in in the different groups that we had we had people coming when they were 18 years old and i had people when they were 22 i would say 23 as um not in the old pan program but the exchange in the old pan program we had people up until i mean you remember um 70s and 80s that people came um and my soldiers most of my soldiers were between ages like uh, 18 and 20 um, so it was uh, the same age, but a completely different mindset. Um, and one of the main things that I was always thinking about, that you guys, you came here, you came to a foreign country, most of you didn't know Hebrew, um, you had no connection to Israel. I mean, maybe the, the Jewish people had a little bit more connection, but they just cam- came out of interest. And... I was, I mean, our office, and, and we knew that, that our office is the first, like, place or the first people that they meet in Israel. Mm-hmm. And this the is... The first impression. And this is, we also wanted you, I and mean, this is your home for the next couple of weeks or month that you are staying wow. in Israel. Um, so that was one of the things that I was thinking about and trying to make you as comfortable, but, but also, I mean, helping you manage um in Beersheba and in Israel and um so it was also introducing you to the Israeli culture mm-hmm. um but uh also making sure that you have everything and making sure that you're so enjoying it excellent now you brought up something you brought up Beersheba so you're going from Jerusalem to the army to going all over mm-hmm. and then Beersheba Right. Was that your first choice? Yes. And why? Um, 
I had friends who studied in Ben Gurion University. And I knew that I wanted to study in a different... I wanted to go out of Jerusalem just because... I mean, I love Jerusalem. Excellent. I, I came back to Jerusalem. But I did want to experience a different city. Um, and also before the army, like between high school and the army, I did spend a year uh, in a town called Yerucham, which is down south. Um, and I spent there like a year preparing, like during this um, program uh, that a lot of, a lot of Israelis do um, before the army. And uh, so I spent some time in the south, and I loved the south. And um, I heard really good things about Ben Gurion University, especially like that it's very friendly and um, there's a really nice atmosphere. So I knew that I wanted to come to Beersheba. Excellent, excellent. Uh, and it's my literally, it's my favorite place on the planet. <laughs> I love it. Sorry, Jerusalem, but hey, it, what are you gonna do? Um, all right, so. Actually, I wanted to ask you one thing that's always kind of um, not confused me, but I, I've had questions about. So you have to turn over what you're doing. So when I came, I went twice. Mm-hmm. When I came, um, you had started as the OSP counselor and then turned that over to another person. Right. Um, how do you do that how do, i mean that's the, from what you said you're you're basically not the caregiver and caretaker but on some level you are how do you give that responsibility and train someone else for that responsibility well it's the way of life i mean i had i was two years at that job and i finished mm-hmm. my studies and i i left the university and uh oh I no how do you prepare someone no Oh, um, sorry. So the prepare—I mean, the whole ulpan, the whole time, the two months or a month and a half that you um, that you were here, um, I trained uh, my successor, and I was just—I was doing my job. I prepared everything, and then she just tagged along um, to everything that uh, needed to be done, and then I, she was she was doing most of the things. And I just helped her in the background, like explaining what to do and explaining how to do it. And um, we we started the training before you people came. Okay. Um, explaining how things work, what she needs to do, um, how she needs who who she can turn to, and everything. And then I was in the background, like helping her with whatever she needed. But she managed. She. That's the thing, and that's why I brought it very up very nicely. And uh, because I came the next summer, and she just picked it. Right up and and props well, to we, you. We work the whole year round. Yeah, we don't work during the only during the summer. We have groups all year round. Okay. So she was doing this job for already a year. All right, because uh, you yeah. So whatever you did, good job. Thank you. No problem. But also, she. I mean, we. Well, she was amazing too. She she was. Brilliant. And don't ever amazing. be late with her. Um. Ever ever <laughs> ever. Um. All right. So. You changed your studies, or you changed the direction of your studies, and you decided to go into education. Did you do that at the beginning of your studies at Ben Gurion, or no, did you I do did that after I fin- after I graduated? Actually, whoa, yeah, I finished. Uh, I finished my study, my BA, and then I started working on an educational program, and then I decided to become a teacher. So I did. Um, I did my certificate. What prompted that? that? Well working in that educational program. Okay. I worked in, um, it's um, 
the Israel, the Israeli version, like Teach for Israel, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Teach for America. So I, I joined the Israeli program, uh, which is a bit different than uh, the American program. But I joined, at first I was working at the office and mm-hmm. then I, bec- at sta- I decided to become one of the teachers. That's crazy. What a jump. What a change. But with everything you've done prior, I mean, it's a natural fit. It just flows right into it. Mm -hmm. So you decided then to go back to Jerusalem. Did you do that immediately after? Yeah. Okay. Um, How hard is it to get a uh, teaching position in Israel and... How hard is it to, <laughs> to, be a to, teacher to live off that um, <laughs> salary? Um, well, it can be getting a job as a teacher. Uh, it depends actually which subject you're teaching. Okay. Uh, since I teach English, um, it's easier to find a job um, as an English teacher. Um, and uh, as most teachers around the world, I think it's both very challenging, but yeah. also very rewarding uh, position to be in. Awesome. Um, how long have you been teaching now for? Mm, three years. Three years. Um, awesome, awesome, awesome. Now, how is that different? How is it with all the things that you've done? Um, is it similar to? Or vast worlds apart? Both. Sometimes I remember my first year, I was teaching um, both middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple of 13-year-olds that were not doing the things that I asked them to do. <laughs> and I was thinking, just a few years ago, I had soldiers. I had 200 soldiers doing exactly what I wanted them to do. And I can't control 13-year-olds. Um, no, not control but it's, it's different <laughs> it's I, I totally did, understand I, again it's the mindset it's understanding and so for me understanding that i'm not dealing with soldiers i'm not dealing with students i'm dealing with teenagers and i have to be very patient with them because they are teenagers and they they will do stupid things and they will do i mean because that's that's what that's supposed to do <laughs> um and i don't want them to act like soldiers i don't want them to act like do be like what's called a yes man um, I want them to think, I want them to do, I want them to act. And um, sometimes I do wish that they will act like more soldiers. <laughs> Especially now, I, I'm um, in Israel, we have what's called um, a homeschool teacher, mm-hmm. right? So I'm in charge of uh, a group of uh, students. And I, oh, wow. I was with them since they were 16 year olds, like during high school, and now they're finishing high school. And some of them, I mean, they will all go into the army some this summer. And. Um, the next half year, they will all go into the army. And so it's also being able to help them doing that and also trying to think they, they could have been my soldiers yeah, uh, sort of thing. Um, so, again, it's all a mindset. Um, That's awesome. Now, you brought up something that I'd like to close on, and um, it is the preparation for these young men and women to go into some type of service. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you prepare them mentally? How do you prepare them um what is it? Uh academically? How do you prepare them for the tests? How all of that? I mean th- there are so many different levels. So I know it's a big question to unpack. Mm-hmm. But how does the Israeli education system 
prepare its children to serve? Well, um, first thing, students know that once they reach a certain age, they will start preparing themselves for the army. And they Mm -hmm. know that. Some are scared of it and some are very excited. And it's like a whole mix of emotion that they have now. Um, But first of all, before they go into their first checkup in the army, when they're 16-year-olds, um, then we have different workshops in the school just explaining to them what what is going on and what's the pro- process and what to expect uh, during those uh, checkups. And I, I have to add that in the past few years, um, the army and the schools have been working together to preparing them uh, to go into the army more than they used to. Oh, okay. Um, I think the fact that more and more the army goes into school explaining what is going to happen and there is more uh, transparency on the in the progress uh, in the process that we, I didn't have when I was their age um, so and everything is is um, up to date and everything is on the internet and everything is uh, they oh have yeah. an, they have apps and everything that. and so the information is much more accessible nowadays um, so we do workshops in the sc- in the schools, um, preparing them in to go into the army. And then, well, we have at least my school when part of a program that the school goes with the students f- to the first checkup. It's called Savrishon, um, the first time that they go into a checkup of the army, and you go as a school. So it's nice because the students, first of all, we are there as a teachers, and we can help mm-hmm. them, and they have their friends, and it, it's it can be very intimidating and. There's support uh, f- for them. Exactly. So through. there is support and, and it does prove as helpful for some of the, especially those who are much more nervous or not as in, uh, as not as secure as others. Um, mm-hmm. So that's very good. And then during the like 11th grade and 12th grade, there also we have different workshops that we explain about the different job that they can do in the army. Um, me as their teacher, I explain how the army works and you go through the different stages and what's going on um and sometimes we have a representative from the army in the school to help the students i've heard about that okay right. yeah so that's a specific job in the army that you go into schools and you help the students with whatever problems that they have with the army mm-hmm. and answering questions and things like that it's sort of like a military counselor sort of sort of. okay yeah um all right that's so awesome. I am so blown away by you. I am so impressed by you. I'm impressed by your story. Um, well, my story, I mean, um, the average, a lot of Israelis do that, this thing. Um, but your life has consistently been about lifting up others and allowing others to get the most out of their day. And That's sweet of you. Nah, no problem. <laughs> That's... I'm sweet. What are you going to do? Um, what do you got on the future? Uh, anything on the horizon? Anything fun coming up? Even if it's just, I'm going to Bali. Anything. <laughs> well, I did um, one of the fun things about being a teacher is that you do have your summers off. Yeah. So I've spent my last two summers in different places around the world, which was a lot of fun. Very I went cool. to Ecuador. I went to India. And it was a lot of fun. So I have to think, and maybe this summer I'll go to Africa. Wow. Holy cow. Yeah, that's I d- so I don't cool. know yet. I haven't looked into it. I'm just, that's just a thought. Definitely. And 
hey, if you come to America, you have a place to stay. Thank you. Um, thank you so much for coming yeah, on the show. It's nice to see you. It's wonderful to see you. <laughs> All right, that's it. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Neely King. Thank you, Michael. And that's it. Todaraba. Leitrot ve yalabai. Thank you.